Welcome to Living on Purpose. I'm Mark Pumphrey, along with my co-host, Dr. Christy Stewart, coming to you from the Circle City, Indianapolis, Indiana. And you know, Christy, we're a few weeks past from the 100th anniversary of women's right to vote. August 18th of 1920. So we are a few weeks past that. We are a few weeks, but you know, we wanted to kind of talk about this, kind of not just about women's right to vote, but women in general throughout history. Because again, I think it's not talked about enough, right? Well, I think it's more than just the right to vote. As you said, over the last hundred years, there's been a lot of other key things that have happened. But Mm -hmm. you know, you kind of brought this show up and you said you wanted to do it. This wasn't a request, which is one of the first ones in a long time. And we had guest uh, Dr. Maren Wagner on here several months ago, Mm -hmm. uh, last year, I think, to talk about feminism. Right. Because we've determined that you are more of a feminist than I am, actually, <laughs> by definition. In talking about that, when you said, oh my goodness, it's a 100-year anniversary, we thought about, let's do a show, and let's talk about some of the significant features of that 100-year mm-hmm. date, as well as we're going to talk about the first, some female firsts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're talking about people that are still living today, but also from the past. Right. And, you know, we're also going to talk about the equal rights of women, but also the mark they made throughout history. Right. And I it, I think it's going to be kind of good because we're going to kind of talk about this in between. So we're going to give you guys some interesting facts. But, you know, some of the things that are kind of happening today. And we're going to stick with Americans. Yes, so yes. just Americans because if we, you know, boy, we could do shows and shows and shows over significant just women in general. But we're going to stick to Americans, m- most of them over the last hundred years, but we might go back a little further on some of them. Because you have one in here, I think, from the 1700s. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about the 1700s. In 1777, actually, Abigail Adams wrote a letter to her husband, one of the founding fathers that was going to be the future president of the United States, and she asked him, and I quote, to remember the ladies and be more generous and favorable to them than your ancestors. Do not put such unlimited power in the hands of the husbands. Remember, all men would be tyrants if they could. If particular care and attention is not paid to the ladies, we are determined to foment a rebellion and will not hold ourselves bound by any laws in which we have no voice or representation. That was again in 1777 when she wrote a letter to her husband. And that, in fact, happened. (laughs) And we're going to give some dates that it took a while for that to happen. But it did happen. But it did happen. And note, we are not historians. If we wanted to do a show just on the history of this, we would have gotten... Wes or Dr. Bruder or some right, of our historians. Yeah. So we're not historians. We're just going to give you the key things. But that really didn't take hold until 1820. And that really marked the beginning of the women's equality right movement was in the 1820s. Okay. Well, I mean, but think about that. You just read that. How that is still applied to today. I mean, you yeah. could use that same segment in today's culture. Right, and that's how sad we are as a country. I exactly, think that we have not yeah. necessarily evolved considerably beyond that point. Man, I mean, she she was a writer. That was definitely, <laughs> I, I did not know this existed, so that's cool. But she was obviously a feminist obviously. in the 1700s. <laughs> but the next, after the 1820s, there became a, a movement, really. Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't until 1848 and the Seneca Falls Convention that the really took stronghold in the public forum as well as started to get a lot of political attention. It appeared that they actually had a lot of success from the 1820s all the way through the 1860s. 
Until the Civil War. Oh, I And then bet. the Civil War kind of took over and people lost interest and they obviously were fighting for other things. And it really just the protests actually stopped, interestingly enough. There were between the 1820s and 1860s, there was a lot of women protesting in this Man. country. As 40 we, years. Sort of, sort of as we know it today, actually, of, you know, walking down the street and getting Signs mauled and, and, and arrested and beaten oh, wow. and all of those things were happening back then, just like they are today, which is for women fighting for their equal rights. But the fight continued after the Civil War, again, well after the 19th Amendment was actually put into place. Because today, right, it's 100 years later, there's mm-hmm. still a wage difference between what men oh, make. And, you know, there's law against that, but there's still we know that there still is. After the Civil War, the 14th Amendment was ratified July 18th of 1868, which awarded protections to all American citizens, and then they defined all American citizens as male. So this is really important, especially for younger people out there that are listening to this, that up until 100 years ago, women were considered property. Right, and then I can't even imagine living as a woman at this time because again they thought for fought for thirty years for the right mm-hmm. for equality, and then after the Civil War, right, the Fourteenth Amendment, they thought they were gaining ground because they're all American citizens were defined are going to be protected, right, and mm-hmm. then they define them as men. Of course, and they- then you get to the February third of eighteen seventy, and then the Fifteenth Amendment gets ratified to the Constitution that awarded black men the right to vote. But men... So, men, again, men, men, black men, white men were allowed to vote. Women still were not. I mean, and let's think about this for just one second. Now, we're talking 1870. Right. And it's still going to be a while before women have the right to vote. Right. There were a few exceptions, um, like one December 10th of 1869, the legislature of the Territory of Wyoming passed that America's first suffrage law gaining women the right to vote, and they could also hold office. And then in 1890, when Wyoming became the 44th state admitted into the Union, uh, it became the first state to allow women to vote. So you did have pockets, but again, as an overall, especially in the South, women did not have those rights. Well, good for you, Wyoming. There you go. (laughs) It's interesting that there was a political movement during that time they actually were making strides in earlier than this to get mm-hmm. women to vote because, imagine this, they wanted to cancel out black male vote. Oh, really? So they were like, okay, black men can vote. We can't do anything about that. Maybe we should just let white women vote because then they'll cancel each other out. And I quote, this was why, to ensure immediate and durable white supremacy honestly attained. Look at that. That was their fight. So, okay, they're going to let black men vote, so we need to let white men vote so they cancel each other out. So let me read this again. To ensure immediate and durable white supremacy honestly attained. That's why. So there you go. Wow. See, and these are the things that we're kind of talking about here. I mean, you think about this. It's all about a play. Just to suppress another person, you know, another race. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Your wife, your child. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't Your matter. daughter. Right, yeah. exactly. And it really then wasn't until the end of World War I um, that the amount of women who made a difference 
really propelled the movement forward, mm-hmm. that they were recognized as having a significant influence during World War One. so they weren't just necessarily property. They were doing some good things, and they thought, well, maybe if we can, we'll just maybe let them vote, right? <laughs> so January of 1918, Representative Rankin opens a debate in the House of Representatives on the constitutional amendment guaranteeing the women the right to vote, right? Okay. The House voted in favor of it, Good for the House. But the amendment failed to win two-thirds majority in the Senate. Big surprise there. The interesting thing of this January of 1918 was in a speech to Congress in September of that year, President Wilson officially changed his position to support a federal women's suffrage amendment. So he switched sides. And again, that was primarily because of their impact during World War One. So then we move on to May 21st of 1919, so just a few months later Mm -hmm. when President Wilson actually spoke to Congress. The House again passed it, what would then become the 19th Amendment, popularly known as the Susan B. Anthony Amendment. Oh, okay, so So they named it after her. Right, so the 19th Amendment is actually also referred to as the Susan B. Anthony Amendment. The Senate followed suit on June 4th by a narrow margin, so just over two-thirds were required. They actually got that. And then it went to the states to be ratified, which was the complicated piece, right? Ratifications required 36 states, or three-quarters of those in the Union at the time. Eleven states right off the bat, Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan, Kansas, Ohio, New York, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Texas, Iowa, and Missouri, all ratified by July of 1919. And on July 24th, Georgia was the first state to vote against the ratification because what they did was they started moving so quickly, apparently, of getting these ratified that then Georgia, the state of Georgia, and the people who were against ratifying this, um, like we do today, politicize it, right? And telling Mm -hmm. people what things were going to happen, right? And this was backed by... Powerful business interests, the railroad, liquor, manufacturing industries, as well as religious and conservative groups, all were against passing the 19th Amendment. And it really started to, as of July 24, start to gain strength, and we are not going to ratify it. As of August of 1920, it was split right down the middle. Uh, In August of 1920, Tennessee called a special session of the state legislature to vote on this. Mm-hmm. And it, that's what it's actually referred to as the War of the Roses because people who supported the votes were wore white roses and those who didn't wore red. Oh, well, there you go. That's an interesting little twist. Yeah. A Tennessee um, voted to, to ratify it, but the vote was tied in the House um, until one legislator, Harry Burns, this is, I love this story, right? So Tennessee is make or break. They're tied, make or break. It is whole up to Mr. Harry Burns on whether the 19th Amendment is going to be ratified for the United States of America and given the women's right to vote. So what do you think Mr. Burns got influenced by? <laughs> I would imagine somebody His close to him. His mommy, right? His <laughs> mom wrote him a letter because he had originally voted against it. And then when he got the letter from his mom, he changed his mind, changed his vote And boom, the 19th Amendment to the Constitution was ratified by Harry Burns honoring his mother's wishes in the state of Tennessee in August of 1920. So there you go. There you go. There's your brief little history. On August 18th of 1920, 
Um, the ratification became the 19th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. It was completed and declared the right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. Again, its mm. nickname was the Susan B. Anthony Amendment uh, in honor of her work on behalf of the movement. There you go. And let me note that, so you had men could vote all the time. Right. You had black men could vote after the 15th Amendment was actually put into play in February of 1870, right? Then women could vote after August 18th of 1920. It was more than 40 years before black women would actually have the right to vote. And another population that is not necessarily a part of the show, but I thought was interesting, it wasn't until 1962 that all Native Americans had the right to vote, male or female. No, I did not know that. That's interesting. President Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Voting Rights Acts into law on August 6th of, of 1965, and the bill protects all citizens' right to vote under the 14th and 15th Amendments, both. Well, there you go. I mean, you think about that. 40 years. Yeah, more than 40 years. More than 40 years Mm -hmm. for black women to get the right to vote. But if you're talking about the difference between time of when uh, black men were able to vote and just women were able to vote, or white women, I should say, I mean, that was almost 40 years. Right. I guess it's amazing to me that it took 40 years to change people's mind enough to just get the right to vote. You right. know what I'm saying? I mean, it wasn't like this was a landslide, right? I mean. Well, and what's I found this absolutely ridiculous that the state of Mississippi formally ratified the 19th Amendment on March 22nd, 1984. They were the last state to do so. 1984. Seriously, people? Um, but one thing that... <laughs> Marianne Wagner talked about on her show with us uh, was that in 1923, the National Women's Party proposed an amendment to the Constitution that prohibited all discrimination based on sex, um, the so-called Equal Rights Amendment that was never ratified. Right. Most people don't realize that. They think that it is ratified that we are protected and we, in fact, are not. That's one of those things that people really do think. It's like, oh, no, you're protected under the Constitution. No. No. It, because <laughs> nope. we can't even get 36 states to say, you know what? We need to go ahead and do this. 36 right. states can't do that. Indiana was the last one to vote in favor, but it was past the, basically, I guess, the statute of limitations or whatever, so it was never formally adopted. And that was in the 70s. Right, exactly. Well, Mississippi didn't ratify the 19th Amendment until 1984. Yeah, I was going to say, what's going on there, Mississippi? I mean, I mean seriously? Yeah, I just, I I find these things, so it's really important, and this is what I really want everybody to take away. That was a brief history of it, but you you think about this, 40 years for white women to get, well, not even 40 years, I mean, we're talking from 1777 on to 1921, and uh, then white women got the right to vote. It wasn't 40 years later that black women didn't get the right to vote. So I want this to resonate with people because, again, we are talking about something as fundamental as your right to vote. Again, this is my public service announcement, but I do think that if you are a woman out there and you do not take the time to vote. I don't care who you vote for, but if you don't take the time to vote, it is dishonoring the people that 
went to jail. Went, it, they got locked up in insane asylums. You know, they did experiments on them. And, you know, to have the right to vote, that they were willing to go out there and sacrifice themselves for the simple right to vote. It's a disservice for any American, but it certainly is a disservice yeah, to women. And to especially even black women, if you don't vote, I mean, you fought a really hard battle. I That's mean, you right. You were the last ones on the boat. Exactly. And I just think that it's very important that that when people listen to this history, that it resonates with you. We're talking in the earliest that we found, again, we're not historians. I'm mm-hmm. sure there's far even yeah. earlier recalls of that. But 1777 to 1920, I mean, you, you've got to let that sink in. Right, exactly. It, it really is disturbing. And the fact that the Republican National Convention here in 2020, mm-hmm. that a woman stood up there and said that only the male in the household should be able to vote. Only one vote in the household, and it should be the head of the household, the man. And really that happened this year. The, just this year. Just a few weeks ago. So there still are plenty out there that think that women are less than. Well, and I mean, we're talking about this is not... this is. Not a crazy concept, because when we're talking about just the women's right to vote, but we're also talking about discrimination, truly, to women. Because, I mean, you've talked about this on the show a couple times, but there was a time where you couldn't even get windows put on your house because you did not have a husband. Yeah, that was in the 1990s here. Um, Updike construction or Updike kitchens, if you live here in Indianapolis, don't support them. They're still in business. But, yeah, I went to, it was like the home show, and wanted to get, it was my my bathroom remodeled mm-hmm. and they asked where my husband was and I said I didn't have one and they were like well how do you intend on paying for it and I said I'm going to write you a check and they refused to come out and even give me an estimate and that was the early 90s the early 90s yeah and I, I mean, owned my home I almost yeah. had, you know yeah it was crazy I, I couldn't believe it at the time I, I mean you could have really reasonably thought that this was a true thing if you were living in Mississippi, but, you know, I mean, again, where, but this is what happens. I mean, you know, my mom talks about things that women did not have, were not equal in the workplace, still not, Mm -hmm. you know, but truly not. It's up to what, 84 cents on the dollar? Something like that, yeah. But still not even. It just, it amazes me that we still have these kinds of problems going on today i even with what was going on right now when we're recording this 1984 i mean i right. just i i gotta tell you i didn't know that i that was, was shocked by that i i was really shocked wow. by that i mean it just it amazes me well there's been great american women out there you know amelia Earhart, first woman to cross the atlantic in an airplane in 1928 so you know we definitely have it, women out there that were, even back in the 20s that were really making strides here. Yeah, I thought that was was pretty incredible. We you're you're not that far away from just simply being able to vote and you're writing books and, you know, I mean you still had prominent women of the time. Oh, sure. And you know, and even like with that, I talked to my wife about this a little bit and she she really is into women's literature and mm-hmm. that's what she said. She said that, you know, a lot of women went under male names or they like J. just J.K. Rollins. J.K. Rollins was yeah. her perfect example that women could not sell books as high as men if they, you know, had a female name. Exactly. Right. No, that's been pretty that's still popular today. To I, put just, initials rather than your name cuz then they won't know whether you're male or female on your publication. I know. I just think that's wild 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 stuff. Yeah. And what you know, there was something about Frances Perkins. 
Frances Perkins, yeah, she became the first female member of the presidential cabinet in 1933. I didn't realize that. She wow. was a sociologist and a progressive reformer in New York, and she actually served under Franklin Roosevelt as the Secretary of Labor. Kept that job until 1945, as a matter of fact. So, wow. You had you had people very prominent in political positions, women that back see, in that day too. The, and see, I think that that's great because it, again, you still have it's an uphill battle. At least women can see other women in that position. Right, exactly. And one of the things I love is that this was a great movie back in the 90s, is uh, the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. Right. It started in the 1890s, which I didn't realize that, that they, they were actually originally called the Bloomer Girls team, and they actually went around playing men's teams, frequently beating them, actually, up until... Really? 19, yeah, up until 1943. Then we kind of had triple-A ball... Mm-hmm. Indianapolis Indians, and then that kind of did away with their need for playing. So that kind of dampered it a little bit. But in 1943, so many major league stars had joined the armed services and went off to war that stadium owners and baseball executives were worried that the game was never going to recover. Again, they did a really good job about that in the movie. They did. So the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League um, was the solution to that problem. And um, they did, in fact, keep ballparks filled and entertain people during the war uh, for 12 seasons. 12 seasons. Yeah, okay, well, 600 women played in the league. Did they really? Because they didn't really kind of go over that in the yeah. movie. I didn't know how long they played for. They played for 12 years, 600 women, and they disbanded in 1954. Wow. But, I mean, it was a fantastic movie, A League of Their Own, and it was really, I, I just, I really enjoyed the movie. I've actually seen it quite mm-hmm. a few times. Well cast, good chemistry. Yeah, it was, a, it was a fantastic movie. But this is the interesting part, is I did not know that they actually had this back in the 1890s. Yeah, and, I didn't either. And, you know, when we're sitting over here talking about because there's a commercial that plays on TV right now, and it's talking about baseball for all. Mm. And it's girls wanting to play on the boys' team. And we we all said it's like that's just unheard of. Apparently not. No, it's definitely not unheard of. There has been we I didn't address some of these, but you even have Ann Myers who played for the Pacers. I don't know. I don't know if it was the seventies or the eighties or whenever really? she played. Yeah, there's there's been a little bit. I, there was there was a woman in here that I took out because she wasn't an American that played in the hockey. She was a hockey goal started in a um, major hockey well, game, and so there's a, there have been a lot of women and. One of them um, was just recently, right? The first woman to coach in a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And this past Super Bowl for the San Francisco 49ers, that was a first. Well, and it, I got to tell you, there's been a lot of firsts that I didn't actually know this until I actually saw the show notes. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that the first woman to drive in the Indianapolis 500 was in 1977. I did not know that she was a... Aerospace engineer. <laughs> That's what I didn't know. She was an aerospace engineer, and she was training to be an astronaut. She was cut because she didn't have her PhD. So she turned to auto racing instead and became the first woman to qualify for the Daytona 500 and Indy 500. Uh, she drove for Dick Simon, I believe. She did not finish the race in 1977, but she finished in 1978 with a ninth, ninth place finish. So I mean, she's actually one of the highest finishers, I think. Uh, Danica Patrick and Lynn St. James have finished a little bit higher than that. But if you want to see it, her her helmet and her um, driving suit are on display in the Smithsonian. Well, that's fantastic. And we're talking about Janet Guthrie. Guthrie. Yeah, she was, uh, again, she qualified in 1977. She probably wasn't uh, the best driver (laughs) at the time. Mm -hmm. But, and they did kind of 
historically they say pick her because she was a woman and she could drive. But many after that, your Danica Patrick's, Lynn St. James, Sarah Fisher's, notably um, Pema Mann, more recently that she didn't compete this year, but she's competed in 11 or 12 of them. So mm-hmm. did lead the way for women to drive professional race car driving. Well, I mean, isn't that kind of the point when you're the first? Yeah. And we can talk about like Hillary Clinton because we're I know she's in the show notes too, but I those are the things that they're the trailblazers, right? Right. Well, these are all trailblazers kind of that we're talking about. Exactly. Uh, Sandra Day O'Connor, right? The first woman to be appointed to the Supreme Court by Ronald Reagan in 1981. And um, I bet you didn't know that because I didn't know that that no. we had somebody that was uh, nominated to the Supreme Court in 1981 that was a woman. Oh, you've never heard of Sandra Day O'Connor? No, I did. Oh, after, but you, you know, know but I didn't was. know it was that. Yeah. Um, Sally Ride, June 18th, 1983, um, first female uh, to fly the space shuttle, the Challenger, first woman mm-hmm. on the Challenger. This is interesting. Joan Bonnet wins the first Olympic marathon in 1984. And this is significant because in 1967, mm-hmm. Catherine Switzer, um, she became the first woman to run the Boston Marathon officially. If you want to see something crazy, you should look this up because they did everything they could to not allow her to run. Wait a they, minute. Wait a minute. N- they did everything they could in 1967. Yeah. Did not allow her to run. Yeah, women couldn't run marathons because they physically could not withstand that. And it was just going to tear up their body. And We were not allowed to run marathons up well into the 70s in a lot of places. But she actually... Okay, that's mind-blowing to me. Yeah, she actually qualified and ran. The race manager repeatedly tried to pull her off the course. You can watch videos of this or videos on YouTube. Yeah, they literally tried to pull her off the course um, she was running with, I think, her boyfriend and a couple of male friends, and they literally had to push security down and push security off for her to keep running, or they were going to literally physically pull her off the course so she could not finish the marathon. Okay. So, and again, this yep. is 1967. Yeah. Not 1767. That's right. And this is the thing that kind of blows me away, because these are some of the things that even my wife brought up, you know, that... You have these incidences, books written by learned people that said that women weren't as smart as men. Women cannot physically handle the challenges of men. These are books written by scholars that said this, and it took to 1967 to prove this wrong. Right. Though I can't say much because when we did that ride from Evansville to Indiana, that guy kept calling you to find out where you were, and every time you said, well, we're here, he goes, Really? Right. You're that far? Right. Yeah, that was... Yeah, <laughs> and that, that was, was a, a few years back. Right. That wasn't that long ago. The interesting about this, you're talking about women and kind of pioneering the way. Mm-hmm. You know, they were doing everything they could to literally physically remove this woman off the course in 1967. As of 2019, 60% of all runners are women. And 2019 till present, more than 50% of marathon runners are women. They make up more than 50%. And yeah. again, 1967. Yep, yeah, there you go. Wow. Um, some people may not know, but I didn't know this, that Aretha Franklin was the first woman elected to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame I in did 1987, not know that. January 3rd. To the be Queen exact. of Soul. Uh, Madeline Albright became the first female Secretary of State. Then we had Condoleezza Rice in 2004. And then, of course, Hillary Clinton in 2009. So we've had three female Secretary of States in the United States. But I want to make sure that everybody understands that Madeline Albright 
1997. Yes. Not 1981. Not, you know. <laughs> she, that, she made her the highest ranking woman in the federal government history in 1997. 1997. She was the 64th Secretary of State and the first woman. That's what I'm saying. We had AOL. We had technology, but we couldn't. She, the first woman right. to be Secretary that of high of power in the United States was in 1997. Well, this one surprised me, too, that it wasn't until 2010 that Catherine Bigelow won an Oscar for the Best Director. The first female director to ever win an Oscar was in oh. 2010. I, that does not surprise me at all. I was surprised because you that. know I have, ne- and especially nowadays, how much stuff comes out of the good old boys club that goes uh-huh. on in Hollywood. Oh, does not surprise. I'm surprised that it even got through in 2010. I mean, it's just it amazes me that we we still in today have these issues like that. A woman could not get nominated. And win an Oscar for Best Director until 2010. And we think that we are so advanced. Well, we talk about Hillary Clinton becoming the first female presidential nominee of a major party Mm -hmm. in 2016. With the USA, right, the United States of America ranks 75th globally in percentage of females to males represented in politics. Yes. 75th. We have countries out there that are Islamic states... That have had female presidents, and we haven't. India has yeah, prime, there's their several, prime minister. I yeah. Think, yeah, there's several. Kind of a side note that um, Iceland had the first female president, the longest running female president, the first gay president, and the first gay married president. Just side note really? on go for Iceland if you want to go someplace and live in diversity. Iceland is very accepting of differences. But, uh, yeah, we rank 75th so, in the world. Let's talk about for just one second that we talk about how we're the first. And this is not me downing America. This is just me saying, hey, it's time to wake up. And it, it, so we talk about we're the first at this. We're the first at that. We're, we are 75th yeah. globally. On women and pol- women equality and politics. I mean, think yeah. about that, folks. No I mean, is like, is that a number that we want to preach to the mountaintops that we're good at? No. Well, people, I think, don't even realize that. Oh no. I mean, and they don't. Uh, I don't think they care. Again, we're back to women voting, um, and how many women don't vote? Yes. I mean, don't vote or vote for people that are vote are just doing everything to suppress them. Makes no sense to me. Even Barbara Bush said, you know, that she didn't understand how any woman could vote for Donald Trump. So, <laughs> I mean, that you know, you don't get more Republican than her. And that's the thing. You, you know, you vote for people that suppress you and, mm-hmm. or you don't vote. That makes no sense to me. Well, and I think it's just very interesting that we just live in a day and age that we can put people in space. We can fly across the world. We can do all kinds of things, but we cannot find equality for women anywhere. I mean, and I'm not saying that we don't have equality problems in lots of different places, but nothing, at least in my opinion, has been stronger than women. Because you're talking 1777 to 1920 for black women 40 years later. I mean, you talk about suffrage and repression that's to the max, you know, for, I mean, so we're talking, you know, from 1777 to 1920 and we're just, 
and 40 years later for black women. So right. you talk about the suffrage and the repression that goes on. I mean, nothing has been more acute than women having to deal with this. Right. Well, and still dealing with this. And still, yeah. And it's not, you know, again, it's. I think that that is just the basis of, of what this country is. And I think we're seeing more of that. It It, it is about suppression and... Mm-hmm. And it does, whether it's women or whether you're black or whether you're Hispanic or whether you're gay or whether you're handicapped or if you are different in some fashion than rural white America, then we need to suppress that. Yeah, because, you know, somebody's going to come for whatever it is that you have. Right. You know, and that's just simply not true. Right. And I just think that it's interesting because even we're talking about you, we're talking on a show that you own. But people still come to me for things about the show. And I think that it's interesting that even today that happens. Yeah, that was what got us to do the feminism show. Yes. Part of what that was is Mm -hmm. because even though I have doctor in front of my name and I'm the one that are talking to these people... Um, they address you first. They do every time. And in fact, we had a we had an instant where I asked the question. The person went to get their business card. You had not spoken a word to this person, and they brought the business card to you. Yep, and, and was going to hand it to and me. And was going to hand it to you, but then they caught themselves kind of right at the last second and uh, and turned. But that was so obviously clear to you. But the sad thing is, I didn't even notice it. And I think it's become so ingrained in us as you know women or whoever that we don't even necessarily see those things when they're happening obviously i see a lot of things but um you've pointed out several times that i never noticed that anybody that addresses the show addresses it mark pumphrey and dr christy stewart i never really pay that much attention to that that's just the way that they people see it they just see you first well and i think that it's interesting that be for people to understand that first thing people think of is well what's the big deal Well, because I didn't go to school for 400 years to get doctor in front of my name, right? I mean, I mean, let's just be honest. I did. I don't have the credentials that you have, so you know, to sit there and think that it's no big deal, but it is. Because if I was a man and I had doctor in front of my name, I think I would have expected my name to go first. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that's true. And when women, we have a what's the big deal? Because you should expect it. You should expect to get paid just as much as a man does. You should expect to get the same work hours, the same work conditions, the same everything as the man does. You should not have to work three times harder to prove yourself than a man does. The capabilities of what you can do should be nothing less than what a man has. And that's the thing is that yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. It is almost conditioned. It is part of this country's makeup and people can argue and be upset with that and I, and I don't care because it is. If you go to other countries, not all other countries, because sure. some, you know, especially you go to South America in those countries, they are male-dominant countries and at least they don't pretend that everybody's equal, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they're clear that women are not equal, but you get into some other, especially your Scandinavian countries and stuff like that. We talked in the Viking Law Show, right? The Vikings over a thousand years ago were far more progressive in women's equality than we even are today. Mm-hmm. You know, that's crazy to think that a civilization over a thousand years ago was, they didn't even have to fight for the equality that we have to fight for. They were equal on the battlefields. 
They were equal on the training fields. They were equal when it came to owning property, buying property. Women could divorce their husbands for certain reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, men um, had kind of the same reasons. Women were justified in killing their husbands for certain things. Mm-hmm. And they fought for and believed in women were equal. Now, you know, again, they had slaves that... So, so they, I'm sure, you know, yeah. but, but when it came to their civilization of their equal people, men and women, it didn't matter. They were on equal playing fields, and they were um, well ahead of the rest of the world in that time when they were starting to take women's rights away in a lot of parts of the world. The Vikings, again, over a thousand years ago, were very adamant of women's rights were women's rights. So it's really sad that we don't embrace that in this country we just need to accept it we can change it and all of those things but it is it's true it is about suppression it is and i just don't what bothers me the most about this and again maybe you can tell the passion in my voice about this because this does really irritate me that we have accepted it and just played along with it. And my question to the men out there is, what the hell are you so afraid of? I mean, could you imagine unlocking the potential of women or any group, if you will, full potential out there? I mean, what extraordinary things could happen if we didn't suppress? Well, I think a lot of our country looks at everything, whether it be money or power or position or property, or anything as a pie, right? That there's a limit. There's only this much, and if I give any of it away, that means I have less than yeah. That makes absolutely no sense, because God is abundance, right? And there is an abundance of everything. It doesn't matter whether it's money, happiness, property. There is no limit. It really comes from a sense of that there's a limit. And if I don't have it, if I give it away or I let, if I honor someone else in it, that means that I lose something from it. And that is just simply not true because we're all stronger together. Yes, we're we are. We're all more prosperous together. And it's just a mindset. It's a paradigm that, that a lot of people just don't see. That if we allow other people to be equal, then that's somehow or another going to make me less than. Well, and I got to tell you, folks, if you're out there and you really want to change your mindset, don't eat a pie. Go to a buffet. Because, you know, I mean, there's plenty for everybody. There is plenty for everybody. And that's all across the board. I mean, it just, it amazes me. And we have talked about this through a little bit of history about women's right to vote. But women that were trailblazers along with trying to change the paradigm of the way we think. Right. And again, I'm, I have a real problem, at least what was most noticeable to me in this show, that we are 75th globally. Again, when you have Islamic states that have leadership that are women, and we have never had that, that's sad. just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. And it says that what a sad state of affairs that we're in. And I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. It doesn't make any difference. Yeah, I don't care what you are. Just as long as you sit there and you think that the equality should belong to all, right. not just to you. So we're about out of time for this show, and we have some great news. Starting January 1st, 2022, you can find our show at livingonpurposepodcast.com. Or any of the podcast platform like Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher. Just search Living On Purpose Podcast and subscribe to the podcast. Or look us up on Facebook and give us a like. 
and let us know what you want to add to this new show. That's right. So live every day of your life. On purpose. On purpose.